carrots and suffering. My name is Nate, and I am recovering from surgery. Oh boy, probably super high right now. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. So, last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes managed to charm their way out of fighting some baby owlbear things. Yay! Non-violent solutions. Cheep, cheep! And they're so cute, is the thing. They're huge, but they're kind of cute. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen a lot of baby birds. They're not very cute. <laughs> That's true. They're a little ugly, <laughs> but they mean well and they have big round eyes. <laughs> they have big round eyes, and they're cheeping. Our heroes dispatch Yennefer, Cass, and Helena Varathy to save people who appear to be hiding near a fairy gate, and then fly into the central cathedral of the castle, where they discover a glowing orb hidden under an altar that appears to be enchanting the entire castle, bathing it in moonlight trapping every werewolf in their werewolf forms. By breaking the tide between the orb and the castle, the walls no longer exude moonlight, but they can't figure out how to turn the dang orb off, and now find themselves under assault by werewolves. The altar shifts so that stone floor turns into a divot, and like a bowling ball, this thing rolls out from under the altar. The altar settles, making a a light thump noise that echoes awfully in this room, but the connection between the orb and the building seems to immediately break, and the walls fade, but the orb itself still produces a shat ton of moonlight. So it rolls into view on the back side of the altar between the pipe organ and the altar, and the altar then provides a shadow that blocks that moonlight from hitting the far side of the cathedral. The two smaller wolves that are on that side immediately revert to humans and are two completely stark naked men in their mid-forties who stand up looking just bewildered. But the moonlight continues to flood the area where the two big wolves are because that's the side of the altar you're on. So now we need to protect them, the two humans now. They stand up because the altar made a noise. Now I need initiative rolls. Alright, let's get into it. First up is Jalen, then Silpha, then the wolves, then Sable. Do the now humans get a turn? They Stand are confusedly. very... Very confused. It's like they spent a hundred years as wolves and suddenly woke up in the ruins of where they used to live. Jalen is very worried about these discombobulated people, almost more than she's worried about Silpha at this point, because she thinks the wolves are going to go after them. Are, are they on the other side of the chapel? Or are they near? They are on the other side of the chapel. They're about 80 feet away. She's going to make a sound like an oi and then hide. And she's got her crossbow out, but she's trying not to. She doesn't want to shoot if she doesn't need to. Okay. You're going to create a distraction. She's going to create a Roll distraction. Roll me deception. Okay. 12 plus 9 is a 21. 21. Okay. You create a noise that is noticeably on this side of the cathedral. She might even thump a organ pipe or something. Yeah. She'll make a noise. Okay. The two big wolves turn and look at the pipe organ. Their backs are now to the humans on the other side of the room. Great. Next up is Silpha. Sofa's gonna do two things. Anytime there's been a light or a darkness spell cast on an object, usually you can cover it and that will quench its effect. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's true of this object because it is so powerful that maybe that... We are about to find out. The moonlight will penetrate through a cloak, but she's gonna throw her cloak onto this object and grab the cloak. So it's basically like she bagged it. And then, yeah, I'm gonna dimension door <laughs> to the very top of the, the bell tower. Okay, let's double check to see if these things work together. Actually, wait. Maybe I'll turn back into a gas and then drift out. If he's turning into a gas, because if covering it doesn't work, maybe turning into a gas will work. Yeah, you, you know what? You're right. And that's a lower level spell. So I, I think that's what she does. She bags it and then turns back into her gaseous form and starts to try to... This way I can actually feel like I, st I could stay in the room. Mm-hmm. Because I think the idea was if turning into a gas turns everybody human, Silpha can get out with the orb and not turn anybody back, and Sable and Jalen can try to talk to people. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't turn them back, then she gets up to where Jalen, possibly Sable, is, and we dimension door out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are going to use a move action to bag this orb. Mm -hmm. 
and then you're going to use an action to turn into mist. Okay. Leaving you at the floor in mist form this round. I need you to roll me Arcana as you attempt to suppress in two ways the light of this orb. Okay. Oof, not the best Arcana roll I've ever done. It's a 6 plus 8, so it's a 14. This orb is stupid powerful. You wrap it in a cloak. It's not working. You turn into a mist. You pull it into yourself. It still doesn't seem to be sufficient to turn this light off. Dang. But that is your turn. So the wolves, for their turn, start to smell around. They are distracted, so they are looking for basically Jalen or Skrix or somebody. So they're going to smell, and the white wolf opens its mouth up, and from its mouth fires three bolts of dark energy. Ah! Which streak through the air, and who rolled less than a 29 on their stealth roll? Me. I believe the hawk. So, Sable, you're getting blasted. Let's see if they can hit you. I'm a hawk, so don't know what my dex is. So they fire three bolts of energy. A 16 is definitely going to hit you, and Mm -hmm. the 22 will hit you, but the third one misses. So you are on the receiving end of 2d10 damage, which is 15. The hawk absorbs one of those. Sable takes 14, and Sable falls to the floor. Oof! Roll me acrobatics. Oh, great. Oh, that's good. 20. All right. You tuck and roll and are not further injured as you hit the debris below you. So I'm down 14. The white wolf sees you hit the ground and charges. So you are on. It's going to try to bite you. I know. What's Sable's AC? Sable's AC is 14. Okay. Good news. That's a 13. (laughs) Ha ha! And so the white wolf snaps its jaws immediately, just inches from your face. I think that's our king. Wolf slobber splatters on your face. (laughs) This might be the king and queen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolf slobber splatters on your face, but you are safe for the moment, and it is your turn. Oh, God. Do they still have that magic shimmer around them? They do. They seem to have some kind of mystical armor. Okay. Shit. But they're right next to me, right? This white wolf is literally next to you. Yes, he's snapping at your face right now. Within touch range? Yes, very much so. I'm going to cast a spell. Okay. This is 100% pure instinct on her part. She is going to reach up, touch this white wolf's cheek, and say, you poor thing, this is not you. And I cast remove curse. Okay. Nice. I didn't know Sable could do that. It's a druid spell, and she's seen it done now multiple times. It's actually not a druid spell. It is a druid spell in this setting, because the origin of curses is nature magic. Mm. Right. So it didn't make sense to have it not be. Mm. So our druids have been able to cast it, if they're high enough level, of which there have only been two or three ever. Okay, as you touch, all one creature, blah, 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 the objects, cursed magic, cursed Okay, you hit it with Remove Curse. Wow. So it spills into a man whose teeth continue to gnash at you for a moment before it comes to its senses. And there is a naked man in his 50s. He's got a big-ass full beard. His hair is wild. He's very dirty. He smells truly awful. (laughs) And he clears his throat and says, oh my. And that's going to bring us to Jalen. There is an angry white wolf. An angry white wolf, but the black wolf has been turned into a man. Oh, no, I did that backwards. I'm sorry. There's an angry black wolf. The white wolf has been turned into a man. The white wolf has been turned into a man. Jalen is going to pull an acrobatics move, and she's also going to yell at Silpha. She's going to go, Silpha, get the fuck out of here with that. And because she sees that both things that Silpha tried did not work to quell it. So she's going to say, get the fuck out of here with that. And then she's going to, oh, this is risky now that he's a man, but she's going to draw Fairy Bane and circus flip down to the floor in front of this black wolf to try to get, I'm assuming it's a she, to get her to back off. Okay. The wolf is going to roll its wisdom saving throw. And I don't know what, if I need to roll. She will attack the wolf if it attacks her. She's trying not to hurt shit. The wolf did use its turn to shoot dark eldritch energy at bird sable, so it's not going to attack this turn. 
but it seems to make its saving throw and definitely immediately regards you as the threat. Great. And starts to just growl menacingly. So for your turn, you have leapt down, taken a stance, and if it charges you, you will attack. That is going to bring us to Silpha. So I imagine Silpha is actually in gaseous form, but it's not entirely a vapor. It's emanating this strange, weird white light from its middle. Because you said that when she absorbed the orb with the cloak and even in the gaseous form, it didn't quench the power of this object. Yeah, you're a glowing mist, I guess. Like a will-o'-the-wisp type light or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she gets fascinated with herself. Ooh, <laughs> I'm so pretty! The will is... look, look at me! <laughs> this is my most perfect form. I've, this is all I've ever wanted. <laughs> the gaseous form of Silpha is going to get the fuck out of there. It's going to slink under the altar. Oh. Undercover. Go ahead and roll me a stealth roll. Okay. I rolled a 10. Stealth is one of my skills. 15. Actually, Sandra, would you do me the honor of rolling a constitution saving throw? DC 10. 17. That's what I rolled. Good news, Silpha. You still get a plus 10. So it is 25. So you roll under the altar and the light goes out. And the black wolf immediately collapses into a woman, stark naked. Massive amount of hair, just mangy and going to the floor in all directions also about 50 on all fours growling she stops and says what happened are we still in initiative <laughs> <laughs> nothing is going to attack you as long as silpha stays in a mist under the floor let me quickly double check how long she can stay a gas an hour okay yeah nothing's gonna happen right away i look up at the king and go excuse me a minute and i Walk up to the queen and say, if you don't mind, I'd like to make sure you don't change again. I, where am I? Jalen puts Fairy Bane away and holds her hands out to make sure they don't think she's attacking them. Poor thing, you have been under a curse for some time. Can I remove it? Yes. And she'll touch the woman's face and again, let that go. She has strangely pointy ears that don't fade when you remove her curse, but... Yeah, other than that, she's a mangy naked woman. Better? I don't know. I can help what? one other, and then I'm out. She looks over, and the two guards say, My queen, we have to find you something. And they look around, and they're like, What happened? Jalen takes off her outer cloak and puts it around the queen. A curse has permeated this place for nearly a century. And you with it. A century? Nearly. We have a lot to tell you, your majesties? She asked with a question because she's still not entirely sure who they are. Yeah, the man's really gnarly beard can conveniently blot out his nudity, but he says yes. <clears throat> but we need to get away from here so that our friend can get a very powerful cursed item away. We need to leave here. Mm -hmm. He stands up and says, men. Step out of the room immediately. And the two of them snap to attention and turn and walk out of the cathedral. I go and close the doors. Yeah. Clunk, clunk. Shoomp. <laughs> Grix has become visible and materialized on the altar. And he's just perched there. So Silpha comes out with this orb now. Nobody in the room is cursed. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, Silpha, you can drift up out of the place. And Silpha does so. Yeah. What are you doing with this orb? Destroy it. Destroy it. I think she's still going to speak through Scrix because the gaseous form seems like the safest form to be in at this moment. Let's see. So <laughs> Scrix says, My wizard says that this orb was creating a permanent moonlight effect on your palace. The king says, Oh, uh, thank you. Aren't you Scrix? And Scrix says, Yes, absolutely. At your service, my king. And he says, Where, Where's your wizard? See the mist? <laughs> and he makes a, a paw motion towards <laughs> Silpha's glowing form. Oh, that's her. She normally has better thumbs. I see her. Things have definitely changed. So, Your Highness, I know you're technically in charge here, but I think we have a lot to catch you up on before you should do that. Yes, I agree. Let me... Let me get my wits about me for just a moment. Wait here. We can see if we can find your clothes. 
I mean, the moonlight is not now permeating the castle. Like, we could leave this room and everybody else should be human, right? Yes, that is true. All right, Silpha, we're going to need to leave you here for a bit, but we'll be back. It would be wiser for you just to take this whole thing back out of here completely. Oh, just have her go back to the camp. Yeah, and find a way to destroy the thing. It's just that if she stays here with it, it's contained in this room. Mm -hmm. Whereas if she goes out with it, who the fuck knows? She's spreading moonlight everywhere again. Mm -hmm. So it seems like the best thing to do is keep it contained in this room while we leave, find some clothes, find some other people. What if somebody walks in? Sylpha will go under the altar again. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's do it then. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to leave the room and shut Sylpha in. I want to ask the king and queen if they have any knowledge of magic. Well, you can. They could stay here. <laughs> I feel like if we're going to start moving around the castle, it would actually be better if the king and queen were with us because nobody knows what's going on. Right. Everybody's going to be naked except for us. <laughs> And I think we're going to draw some unwanted attention to ourselves and have a hard time explaining to it. But if we're with the king and queen, they're going to be the voices of authority for anybody we make recognizable. Yeah. Let's leave one here and one can come with us. Okay. Which one? We'll take the king. Your majesty. I go to the doors and open them. For the part that happens outside of the cathedral, Sable and Jalen, as you walk through the castle with the king, it is a ruined mess. Everything is destroyed. The king looks distraught at times, but every room you walk into, several naked people come out of it. Servants, guards, you find a lot of people who were trapped in the werewolf form. A lot of them have bite scars, so you're guessing they didn't start werewolves. But they're otherwise normal humans. None of them are mutated. They're all from before the thorns. Many of them have wolf-like features, though betraying their werewolf nature, usually in the form of strangely colored yellow eyes. Out of character, I'm assuming we're looking at people from the Fenrir family. Is there a role I could do to try to figure that out? You can roll me history. 16. As you walk through, there's a lot of family resemblance here to the old artwork of the Fenrir family. It would seem like if you were not killed immediately by a werewolf, you probably got turned into one. And so anybody tough enough to survive at least one good werewolf bite was a werewolf. Much of them are Fenrir family. You're finding the whole noble family. You're finding all of their servants. They're definitely not related. I'm using the pendant to find Drossel. You turn a corner and arrive at a armory slash vault. A massive door has rotted away. The magic that protected this place seems to have blasted the area repeatedly but it seems long dead now. There's probably a hundred thousand gold just (laughs) lining the walls, magic items just bolted there, one pedestal in the middle with a stone key on it. The key's mine. I'm taking the key. Yep, yep, take the key. And Drossel is standing there, and Drossel is a normal person in their 30s, except that Their skin is like birch tree bark, just everywhere, making it sort of unusually thick and tough looking. He is clearly different from everybody else. You survived. I guess. Do I know you? No, I know you. Only by name. Drossel, yes? Yes, I I am Drossel. I'm Sable. He bows. Changeling Sage and Master Extraordinaire on all things fairy. Sable, nice to meet you. My lord, what, what is going on here? And the king says, We appear to have been under a curse for a hundred years. And Drossel just nods in kind of an unsurprised way and says, Oh, there are stories of this happening. I'm, well, surprised, but, you know, hundred-year curses are the things of legend. Welcome to the legend. Drossel, if you would allow me, I'd remove that curse. I would greatly appreciate it, yes. I will cast my final third-level spell and remove his curse. Like you, when Remove Curse is cast on changelings, it does not remove your changeling nature, and so he stays bark-skinned. But slightly less wolf-looking in the face. Yeah, his yellowy eyes become human. And he says, wow, we have so much to talk about. Let's all see if we can't find some clothes. Good plan. in the chapel. (laughs) Good plan. We've brought an envoy to help solve this problem. Yes. We can give you some time to find clothing and meet you at the front door. Let's do that. 
I'll gather everyone in the castle. And the king says, Drossel, call everyone together. Do whatever we need to do. We're leaving. And Drossel says, do we, are we taking gold? Well, you should probably take it if you don't want someone else taking it. Very well. We'll have everybody get something on their body and fill as many pockets with coins as we can. And we'll, yes, that's what we'll do. I'll empty the armory and meet you at the front door. Jalen, do you think Kylan's here? I don't know. Would he have been impacted by the moon? Not unless he got bitten by a werewolf, I would imagine. I don't know all the ins and outs of lycanthropy, but he had control over his own. Well, he was coming here, and we didn't hear that he was leaving. I should stay with Drossel to make sure that they don't find each other. And, I mean, I could locate him, if you like. Well, that would be fabulous. I've seen his daggers many a time. I can locate that object, or I can see if I can locate him. At least I think I can. Sable has also more than once probably seen the silver cigarette cases that he would have on him. Yeah. Because Jalen does that in her idle time. Yeah. You can use locate object to find him and go proactively do it. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. It takes you a few minutes because you get you got to wander the maze. But you find a hole in the ceiling on the third floor that opens up into an old guest room where Kylan is still strapping his arms and armor back on. Hi! Sable. Hi, Kylan. Nice to see you. Jalen, what the fuck are you doing out here? She gets a real big smirk on her face and boots him on the nose and goes, found you. I'll let you two catch up. I'll go tell everybody else. I'm going to go let everybody else know that we need to get to the front door of the castle. Yeah. And I'm going to turn back into a hawk and leave. <laughs> Actually, no, I'll go back and at least let Sofa know what we're doing. <laughs> and then I'll get turned into a hawk and leave. Conversation one. Silpha, did you want to talk to the queen? Yeah, I do. Have we established, is it safe if I leave the illuminated orb under the altar where it's not attached to the building and its glow is mitigated? Yeah, that seems to be working just fine. Okay. Something about the altar seems to be able to be enough to block its light. Well, it's a giant heavy log, yes. Okay, so... Silpha will... I'm thinking, I drop the orb and then I ooze out of the altar, but I can't I can't do that. <laughs> Gotta do it the other way around. Can't bury it back in the ground because then it'll be in the walls again. Nope. I mean, she is not going to be transformed because her curse has been removed. So you can turn back into you and slide mm. the, the orb under the altar. So Silpha will transform back into Silpha, roll this orb back under the altar and shove her cloak into the hole so it, it will not roll out until we want it to retrieve it again. Okay. And Silpha curtsies to the queen and says, Your Majesty, Silpha Lunari at your service. Yes, hello, Silpha. Just a moment, let me freshen up. And she snaps her fingers and an illusory glamour rolls over her. You recognize this. It is a fairy glamour. It is not a wizard spell. This is some sort of innate power she has as a not-human. And she now looks like a queen. With a rogue cloak. <laughs> and she says, I would really like to freshen up before we do anything too serious, but please, you've saved us in ways that I frankly don't fully comprehend yet. What can I do for you? Well, there is about a hundred years of history to catch you up on. Yes, I imagine so. You know, may I start with a question? How did you get Drossel's familiar? I found him. He was the familiar of perhaps another changeling wizard in the kingdom. Ah, yes. Well, he's been around a long time. And Skrix says, Who's calling who old now? <laughs> and the queen smiles and says he's just the same as he always was. Out of character, this explains why Skrix still existed after Muriel was killed. <laughs> that was sort of a question mm -hmm. at the time when we found him was how he still yeah. he was still here. And Silpha will outline for the queen what we know, that about 100 years ago, something transpired at the castle, trapping people there, and thorns arose, encasing the kingdom, and the fairy queen, the queen of beasts, intends to subsume this realm into hers. The queen frowns and says, my mother is an extremely unreasonable woman. Let's chat. And we can fade that scene out, but here's a, here's a couple of things that do come up. One, 100 years ago, magic was part and parcel of life. She knows a lot about it. Her fairy lore is way beyond most people in the kingdom. And your chat with her is fascinating. She's a kindred spirit. 
She is a changeling who chose Fae and married the king as a way to strengthen the ties between the fairy queen and King Fenrir. They don't remember what happened. The night it all went bad. It was a mundane day, and then they woke up here. And Silpha describes some of the facts of what we know. The previous expeditions to try to determine what had happened, and our goal in understanding what happened to precipitate the events of the curse a century ago. Okay, this will be a fairly lengthy conversation, but you meet an intelligent woman who is willing to be your friend, who is thrilled that you saved her life, and seems to know more about the Fairy Queen than your average bear. One last question. I do get the impression, though, that someone perhaps in the castle might know enough about magic or about this object that we might be able to come up with a way to destroy it, if that seems necessary. Queen says, I could probably come up with something. If it's powerful enough to enchant the whole building, I... maybe we just bury it. I think that... When the orb was embedded in the stone of the castle, that was what allowed its magic to permeate its walls. Once we removed it, it seems to have mitigated that effect, except locally. I would fear that if we buried it, the moonlight would permeate the earth itself. Well, we'll come up with something, but there's enough magic stored in it that I think breaking it would be an act of suicide. Noted. Kylan says, Jalen... Kylan. I do not recall asking you to go anywhere into the thorns. Guess I do what I want, Kylan. And you were the one who told me to do that, so... suck it? But she is going to look for a bite mark, and if she doesn't find one, she's going to ask, have you been bitten? He does not appear to have been bitten. He says, no, no, I slipped up on the roof and dropped in, and that's all I remember. So you lost control. Yes. Even though you made a deal to have control. That's interesting. You see a little smile quirk up on his face. I did make a deal to have control, didn't I? Well... I wonder what the consequences are happening right now. I don't know, but I need to sit down and talk to you for a minute. And she opens her bag and she says, The good news is, I have 92 cigarettes that I've rolled since I last saw you, and you're probably out, so here you go. And she gives him a cigarette. He gives you a strange look and says, Wait, 92? How long have I been out? It's been two weeks? A week? A week. It's been about a week since you tried to kill me, and I tried to clobber you. Okay. He sits down and says, Well, good news. I don't feel any overwhelming urge to attack you, which means I think that deal's broken. It's, well, I am not an enemy anymore. That was a sort of other matter. Got off the Fairy Queen shit list, so that, so that was good. Tried to send you a message about that, but you may have already lost control by then, and even if you got it, you probably didn't understand it. And the deal, I need to talk to you about your most recent deal, the one you're trying to fulfill right now. Yeah, what about it? First of all, you sure know how to make a girl feel special, pussycat, but maybe we should talk about your methods a little bit. The deal that you made is moot. You botched it with your second mark. Guire, the armless man in the crypt, he is dead now, but not because of you. And she pulls out the knife that she kept from that and hands it back to him. Jessica technically killed him. That should do you a little bit proud of her. Um. He was a vampire. You have to cut off their heads. Oh. So, I made other arrangements for you, and the deal is considered fulfilled, and you do not need to go after your third mark anymore. In fact, it would be much appreciated if you didn't, because he's someone, A, that we need to talk to, and B, might be personally important to Sable. So, you gotta stop. I can let this one go. Follow-up questions. Did you talk to Rat King? Because I will cut his fucking head off. Deception, deception, deception! <laughs> Does she just outright deceive him, or just say, I'm gonna... Keep that one to myself, Kylan. He looks like he's about to protest, and then he calms his face and says, Well, I guess there are cherries under the cherry tree. Them's the pits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, Tomcat, but I, I put off having a conversation with you before and waited a day, and that turned out to be possibly the biggest mistake I'd ever made in my life. So I need to have that talk with you now. He says, well, 
Can you get back out through the thorns? We have a way, yes. Incidentally, you can go through the thorns, as it turns out. Yeah, only with special dispensation. (sighs) Yeah, we have a way to get out. All right. He sits down and says, I guess we have time. What's on your mind? And it's time for the mid-roll, and for the fairy facts today, we have the Chinese nine-tailed fox, the Huli Jing. Last time, we did the Japanese kitsune, and it turns out, surprise, these are not the same. In Chinese folklore, a fox which wears a skull and worships the Big Dipper can become a fox spirit. The fox spirit lives in the mountains studying magic and increases its powers of transformation slowly, sprouting more tails. At 50 years old, the fox can change into a woman, At 100 years old, it can become a beautiful woman, or a man who is not especially beautiful, it seems. They can sense things a thousand miles away, poison people with sorcery, possess people, and blank out their minds and memories. Once the fox spirit reaches a thousand years old, it grows its ninth tail and transcends to a celestial fox. Then they're worthy of worship. Initially, these foxes were friendly, if mischievous, but eventually the government didn't love their growing worship and tried to ban them, including demolishing their temples, and this just did not work at all. Over time, the nine-tailed foxes became an evil demon seduction monster, sort of akin to the evolution of the vampire mythos. The two magical fairy foxes from Japan and China are similar, but the Chinese version, as you can tell, can turn into dudes and grow several additional tails. Now that's magic. Alright, tune in next time for some probably not fox-related fairy lore from around the world. Well, I have a lot of questions for you, and I have a little bit of an issue where you're a liar, and I don't know when to believe you. Well, sounds like you got all the information you're going to get on that front. I am a liar, and maybe you shouldn't believe me. Are you in a truthy mood? Well, I'm confused now, so I guess that probably means your odds are best. She's going to test him. She's going to ask him a question that she figures he would try to lie to her about and see how he answers. Okay. She leans back against a wall and waits him for a second, and she says, Have you ever regretted taking responsibility for me? He raises an eyebrow and says, Regretted taking responsibility for you. Huh. Well, that's a tough one. I mean, literally, probably? but I can't remember it. I mean, kids are pain in the ass. Wow, the dice know. I just rolled a one insight on them. Great. (laughs) She smirks a little bit and says, Jessica and I asked you a lot, speaking of pain in the ass kids, periodically when we were growing up, how you lost your eye. And you told us a different story every time. There were the earlier ones, which were a little fanciful, like trading it to a witch so that You could learn the secret to walking in the clouds, which we immediately asked you what the secret was, and you wouldn't tell us until we were willing to trade an eye, and Jessica told you that was stupid, but I spent a solid week trying to figure out whether I could do without one of my eyes, and ultimately I decided I could and told you I was ready to make trade, and you told me to scram. And then there was the version where you took a trip to the moon, and it sprouted out of your head and grew legs and ran off, and you couldn't find it, and the moon told you to leave it with her because it was hers now. There was the story about the raven landing on your face, plucking it out and swallowing it, which we were still young enough to be afraid of birds after that, and poor Laurel became the object of all of our ire from that point onwards. How did you lose your eye? (laughs) Well, there was this great big bear, and uh, intriguingly it was wearing a dress, which I thought was very unusual at the time. But I decided that no bear was going to scare me, certainly not a bear in a dress. And so I drew my blades... And the bear drew its. We crossed swords for three hours. And at hour three, got the best of me. Slashed me right in the eye. He's just fucking with her, okay? I mean, you're pretty sure you're being told a fake story here. I mean, it's... uh... (laughs) Again. Yeah. And he says, I mean, either that or I got in a fight with your adopted father and he stabbed me in the face. Is that why things are so weird between you? What were you fighting over? Hmm. A woman. Lady Evans? Yeah. You were in love with her? Mm Mm-hmm. You didn't kill her, you know? No, I don't. You couldn't, possibly. 
You wrote in your letter to me that an animal tore her apart but spared Jessica. She seems to imply Jessica was with her when she died. Now, you, you had been bitten and turned by that point, but you hadn't made the deal yet that you needed to be able to control it, which means you didn't have any control. And that means you didn't have the capacity to make the decision to spare anyone. And you would not have spared Jessica, and she's alive. Ergo, it wasn't you. Best conclusion as to who it was is probably Vincent, maybe one of the other were-rats, and they probably did it to scare you so that they could control you. We won't ever know for sure because everyone who could have, would have been involved is in fact dead, except possibly the Rat King, but you could not possibly have done that. Roll me persuasion. I don't get advantage because it's what he wants to hear. Boy, it'd be great for him if he believed it, but I don't (laughs) think it counts as what he wants to hear. Okay. Well, that's not bad. Fifteen. He gives a slow nod and he says, Jessica's survival could have been a fluke. But I guess you've got a point. You know, in the face of not ever having the capacity to fully know the truth, maybe cling to the likelihood. He gives you a faint nod and says, I've made a lot of bad decisions, Jalen. Boy, howdy. And I want you to know that at no point were you ever one of them. Okay, that gets her a little bit quiet for a second. And she says, I've been learning some new words lately, interesting words. Changeling, wither branch, mm. hound. Mm. Did you know Gail was a fairy before she got knocked up? I suspected. She was pretty weird. Kylan, were you were you a lover or were you? And she flushes scarlet because she really doesn't want to ask him this question. She says, "Were you a lover or were you were you a paying customer?" Mm. Neither. Your mother didn't accept money for that sort of thing. But she had a lot of friends, if you know what I mean. And I happen to be one of them. But, uh, you know, when you're young, sometimes you do stuff because you can. Who named me? Who named you Jalen? Yeah. Your mother named you Jalen. That's a 17. Is he lying? Yeah. Jalen nods and says, what does the name Jalen mean to you, Kylan? Well, according to your mother, there's an old fairy tale about someone named Jalen. And your mother really liked that story. I guess she'll have to look it up sometime. Okay, she's going to let that one go. You wrote that you brought me home after paying her off. Yeah. How much was I worth? At the time, about 100 gold. But you were worth more. They knew it, and I did. And they kept coming back to ask for it. Was I born in Fenrir, or was I born somewhere else? You were born in Fenrir. Do you lie <laughs> no, you don't think that one was a lie. Okay. He answered really fast. No tells. Okay. Did you think I was going to hate you if I ever found out the truth? Did it occur to you that I would be happy to know the truth and might even be happy about what the truth is? There are a lot of reasons telling you the truth isn't a good idea. I have enemies. Your father has enemies. You're going to have some very soon, and they don't need this kind of ammunition. We're in a world where the strong survive, and I have been very careful to make sure that you had every skill I could give you and inherited none of my weaknesses. If I were to tell you that I can't keep my word on what I said before about nothing changing between us, I wonder if you can forgive me for that. I I drew a conclusion about you a long time ago. Was I five that day? I drew a conclusion that I've operated under ever since. And it wasn't just a little mistaken. It was dead fucking wrong, as it turns out. And it does mean things are going to change between us. I hope for the better, but they're going to change. Well, I got to tell you one thing I've learned from being in the guild and doing the job that I do. Things usually don't change. But man, it would be really great if they did. The guild is changing. It's going to look different now. Your job is going to be different in a new guild. I'm hoping I can retire soon. Not a chance, Pussycat. I still need you. Yeah? Yeah. Well, it's good to be needed. (sighs) She has these bracers that attach to these fingerless gloves, and she unbuckles that and slides it off. And 
she points to this space between her knuckles and there's this little jagged white scar and she says you see that yeah when jessica and i were five we were too little to practice on the full-sized wooden dummies in the dojo but you had stuff you wanted us to do so you rigged up these sort of mini dummies out of chopped firewood and rope and they weren't fancy but they got the job done and I went through whatever routine you gave me. He was punching it and kicking it, and I think Jessica jumped on hers and started chewing on it. And about an hour of that, and I got tired, and I threw this really solid but clumsy punch and caught my knuckles on the corner of one of those pieces of firewood and split my knuckles open. And I got these two huge splinters just lodged way deep into my hand. Just went right in. And you sat down and took the splinters out for me. And I I asked you to kiss it better, and you said no. I kissed it better myself later. And I guess that's what you wanted me to do. I wouldn't have been able to say this in so many words at the time, but I thought I realized something about you and about life. <laughs> the wise old age of five. I realized that just because... You love someone with everything you've got in you. They don't necessarily love you back. And I I didn't know why you wouldn't love me back, because I was awesome. But you didn't, or I thought you didn't. And I swallowed that and accepted it, and that that was just how it was going to be. I, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> or was I wrong? You were wrong, but in a way you weren't. Jalen, if you want love in this world. I need you to get out of the family business. You saying you're going to only love me if I'm not an assassin? No, no, I'm going to love you forever. What I'm saying is that assassins don't have room for that crap. Well, this one's going to make room for it. And I can't get out of the family business, Kylan, because we're changing the whole shape of it, and it's going to take somebody not giving in to greed and shitheadery to see that through, and I don't trust anyone else to do that. Well, I always thought you'd be better than me, and it's always been my ambition that you never repeat my mistakes. And I'll tell you, you're probably going to repeat quite a few of my mistakes, but I'm still pretty confident you're going to do it better than me. Well, shucks. Thanks, old man. Yeah, well, if I've got no work to do, let's stop hanging out in this shithole. <laughs> Not at the moment, but you'll have work again pretty soon. I have a decision to make when I'm 21. Mm. And I don't know what that decision's going to be. And I know you can't much help me with that. But I don't know. I guess I'm in the sharing mood, so I'm sharing that. Well, I'm shit at fatherly advice. But I can offer you this one. Most of the decisions we make, we make as somebody else. Put the circumstances in place. We didn't get to make the decisions ourselves. So all I want you to do, whenever you make this decision, is make it for yourself. Don't listen to a fucking word I have to say. Already don't. He laughs. <laughs> I mean, really? She gets a laugh out of him? Yeah, it's it's not a big laugh, but it's definitely a, like a, a chucking smirk. Chuckle smirk. Chuckle smirk. A jerk. She goes, all right, you irascible bastard. Let's get out of this shithole. And then she brightens up and she says, come meet my boyfriend. And then she hops down out of this hole and leads the way out. I flew away to tell everybody to come to the front door, and then I have one other conversation to have. Okay, let's have it. So I get there, I gather everybody together, I tell them that we've managed to get rid of this thing, that we found the king and the queen, and that they are okay, and that we are going to meet everyone. We should be safe to travel through the maze. Meg is going to lead us. Yay, Meg! Gather people, let's go. And then I'm going to grab Miev and Mirkwood. And I'm going to say, Miev, stay with me. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have all the items to open the gate? Yeah, we can open the gate. Let's go now. Oh, shit. Just the three of us? Unless there's someone you want to bring. Miev holds her hand out and says, no, let's get this over with. Great. Okay. You and Mirkwood are immune to thorns. Miev is not. So if you would like her to come along with you, she can either fly, which is risky. They've already burned a path. Okay, you can catch up down the burnt path. 
I'm using the burn path to get there. That one that Yennefer made. Yep. Roll me an advantaged survival roll. All right. My survival is high now. Oh, how about a 28? Great. So you catch up to her. She is not quite there yet. It was going to take her about two hours to burn there. It's been about an hour and a half. So you get to her and she's still burning a line through the brush. She's in her fire elemental form, which means when she speaks, it's not very clear. But Cass and Helena will emerge from scouting in the brush into the burnt path to figure out what's going on. I will let all of them know we have found the king and queen and all of their people. They're coming to the front gate and the rest of the group is gathering at the front gate with them. I think that there's still several things that they want to do before they try and attempt the Fey Wilds. I okay. want to get to the gate, though. You hear two tiny trumpets. Announcing Whistles! Oh, hello, Whistles. And appearing in front of you in a little ball of glitter holding a marble is Whistles, who says, Hey, Sable, mm -hmm. so looks like I'm going to be working for Lorelei now. So whatever you tell me, she gets to know. So I'm just going to drop this here for you. And he rolls the little marble towards your hands. Okay. And it falls into your hands and then grows into a orb. And he says, so I lost track of Lorelei, but I think she's right around here. And he points toward the fire elemental and says, that way. Oh, great. Thank you. No problem. I'm going to miss you. Oh, you know, I'll still be around. We could still make deals and stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm Lorelei's now, so bummer, huh? Bring it in. Come here. Come here. He floats up and says... I give him a gentle hug. Okay. I won't make you roll a dexterity check. I'm being very careful. <laughs> you cannot crush his tiny little body. <laughs> but yeah, he'll, he'll give you a little squeeze and say, well, it was great. I'll still be at your house. Is Lorelei going to try and attack us? No, no. The orb is one way for audio. Apparently the Fairy Queen's voice really will blow out your eardrums if you're mortal. So Lorelai's there in case the Fairy Queen wants to talk to you. Oh, that's good. Thank you. And he says, well, I'm going to go catch up with her and I'll see you in a few minutes. <laughs> okay. And the trumpets go, Whistles is leaving. And Whistles like, oh, God damn it. And he turns and flies away. And I'll say, I will not miss those trumpeters. The fire elemental blasts the last of the bramble away, opening up this 50-foot radius space of mostly trampled prairie grass and wildflowers. It looks like a lot of people were here recently because the vegetation is just crushed in all directions. In the middle of this clearing is a fairly small raised stone dais almost like an amphitheater stage, and a big archway with five stone pillars in front of the archway marked out in a semicircle around it. The other thing that is here is about 25 people. They are a little dirty. They've obviously been standing in the rain. They look a little cold. They're sort of huddled together, except for one woman who does not look cold at all, but does look exactly like Jalen. I'd do a little bit of a double take and say, I'm certain that I have heard your name, I say, pointing to her, but I cannot remember it. I know your daughter. Hmm. Well, I don't offer anything for free, and this isn't going to be one of those things either. But you can call me whatever you wish. Hi. Hello. Did you just come out of the Feywilds? I've been here for about three days. And the rest of you, hello. My name is Sable Mirkwood. Oh, you're Sable Mirkwood. And I am coming to the gate to prepare us to hopefully travel within it. Hmm. The people start to stand up and crowd around at this point. And one of them says, S Sable, you you saved us. You Well, sort of. We're trapped here, though. Not any longer. There is a path, and that path will lead you to a campground. The campground will lead you to the people that we brought with us, as well as the king, queen, and their entourage. There's a big nodding, and the woman who looks like Jalen pulls out a stone hammer and says, Well, I have this little bargaining chip, and I will hand it over when I am safe and sound. Hmm. All right. 
Can we negotiate? She smiles and says, everything can be negotiated. At this point, what is Sable's greatest fear? Her greatest fear. Actually, her greatest fear at this particular point is that what she is about to do will turn her friends against her. Mm. Okay. She says everything is negotiable. Are you sure you only want a hammer? I want the means to open the gate. Hmm. Well, this hammer will get the gate open, but that's not everything you want. It's not everything you need. What are you trying to say? Hmm. I have a sense that in the near future, some people might be very upset with you. I could help with that. You probably could. Hmm. What are you suggesting? At this point, Sable just... <sighs> Her face is showing no emotion at all. She is looking more tired <laughs> than upset about what's going on and is just like, what are you suggesting? Hmm. Well, I have power. How about you tell me what would help you ensure that your associates don't get mad with you? I don't know you at all. And I certainly don't have any reason to trust you. All I want is the hammer. All right. What can I do to get the hammer from you right now? I need safe travel. Guaranteed. You have it. Travel there. No one will hurt you. That is the wrong direction. Oh, you want back into the Fae, Wilds? No, no. The Fae is irrelevant. I want out of the thorns. I have no protection against them. There is a path. We have made a path through the thorns, and we will be making a path back. We have an entourage. Then when the path is made back, I will happily hand over the hammer. I look to Helena and Cass. Cass says I can I can take a crack at it if you want. Sure. Gail, give me the fucking hammer or I will burn your face off. <laughs> oh, Gail. <laughs> and she's going to go ahead and roll her intimidate. She rolls a natural 20. <laughs> Gail's going to go ahead and roll her. We'll go with deception. She only rolls a 13, tragically. So Gail twirls her hammer a little bit and doesn't show fear like, in a very unhuman way. Her face is blank. And she says, well, you bring up a valid negotiating tactic, but I have several people at my disposal. And she gestures behind her and six guys, just random dudes, you never seen any of them before, fold their arms. And one of them says, Sweetheart, can we not do this? Because one of them's a fire elemental. <laughs> and she says, humans are cowardly. Fine, here's your hammer. I still expect to be out. Then go that way. She hands it to Cass, who is now holding the hammer. And Cass says, okay, bye, Gail. <laughs> and as Gail's leaving, Gail turns at Cass and says, you know, she's waiting for you to cross that line. And Cass says, okay, thanks for the heads up. I wave to Gail. She nods and starts heading down the fire path. Everybody starts to follow her like she's in charge. All right. Good, good. That's great. Once they are out of earshot, I'll turn to everybody with this globe thing that came to me in my hands. And I'll say to them, thank you so much for getting us here. I want to talk to the Fairy Queen. And I would prefer to do it alone in case there is any danger to any of the rest of you. Helena nods and says, well, I can give you a hundred feet of space if you go to the other side of this clearing. Cass says, you know, I'm not looking forward to seeing the Fairy Queen. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go back to camp with everybody else. That's fine. Please do. And Cass starts to back out, staring at that orb in a little bit of terror. Yeah. Oh, the hammer, please. Oh, yeah. Here you go. And she tosses it to you. It's a stone hammer. It weighs about two pounds. It's clumsy. It's obviously not meant to be wielded as a hammer. It's decorational. And she turns and heads into the thorns. And the fire elemental nods at you and says, with this rolling, burning, crackling voice that is really difficult to understand, what service do you need? I say, from the queen or from you? The fire elemental tips her hat. I have no control of the queen. It would be tremendously helpful if you could make sure that the thorns stay away from everyone. It will be done. And she turns and starts heading down the path, leaving just you, Helena, and Mirkwood, and Miev, in the circle. 
And Helena will start walking over. Miev says, I mean, I can stand with Helena if you want. Mm. Can I have the objects, please? I promise I won't just disappear with them. I mean, yeah, we've come this far. And if you open the gate, I guess we're all going through. Mm. And she pulls out the rest of the objects. It's a stone crown. Again, about two pounds made of some kind of worked stone. A stone eye. You already had the key. You now have the hammer. And then the children's top. And they both back up to the entrance of the grove, leaving you in the middle with your father. All right. I'll ask him, what is your relationship with the fairy queen? Is it amiable? Or is she angry that you could not help her? It is indifferent. Then you may stay or go as you will. You could step back with them, just in case. Hmm. No, I will stand by you. Okay. Sable's going to take a few minutes to set all of the objects down, not where they're supposed to go in a circle. She's also going to lay out some of the objects that she has used for druidic rites in the past. So a holly branch and a few other things along those lines on the altar. Once everything has been set down on the altar and sanctified, then she'll put the orb on that altar as well and give it a minute. See what happens. So you're just hanging out and you know that if you focus inside that orb, you will essentially call her up. Oh, well, then that's what I would do. Nothing appears to respond to you. But yeah, when you focus in on the orb, the image of this massive court ballroom of stone and ivy, the leaves slightly deadened in browns and yellows and oranges, and sitting on the throne is a extraordinarily beautiful woman, pointy tips, ears, long hair, massive kaleidoscope wings, and she just nods. Sable looks at her for just a moment and then goes down on one knee and she does something that she has been planning since she found her father that she's wanted to do since she took over the circle. She addresses the fairy queen directly. She says, fairy queen of the beast within us all, mistress of Otterne, you who shaped the land, who shaped me, who brought me into being as I am who created the circle and shaped its evolution, we stand in awe of you. And I let that sink in because she means it. She's not bullshitting in any way. There's a nod. She says, as the leader of your circle, I have come to the gates of the land of Fae to seek audience. I have long before I knew you existed, worshipped what you are. And yet I know that you are in pain. I see it in the sky in the trees. I see it in the thorns. I see it in us. I come to offer solace. My queen, if you will grant us safe passage through your realm, I will bring that solace to you. We can end your pain together, please. Her face doesn't react to anything you say, which you've got accustomed to. Fairies that don't spend a lot of time around humans or don't regard them very highly don't adopt human emotions, and you're getting that vibe. Go ahead and roll me persuasion. You can have advantage because you're brown-nosing really good. Mm. It's not brown-nosing if you mean it. What am I rolling? Persuasion? Persuasion, yes. That would be an 18. 18. You see a slow nod start, and then she stops and closes her eyes. And you didn't realize it before, but there was a light coming from them. And out of the trees... From above the thorn line flaps a little bird that lands at your feet, and it transforms into Lorelei Verathi, the 40-something woman who was reincarnated recently. And when Lorelei opens her eyes, that light the fairy queen had, just this yellowy-orange tone, is in them. And she opens her mouth, and it's Lorelei's voice, but it's, it's wrong. The diction is wrong. The pauses aren't right. It's wrong. And she says, I have the path to solace already in hand. What do you offer that I do not already possess? My queen, if you would grant me audience and grant us safe passage through your realm for it, I would show you. In my realm, I have nothing to fear. So I will grant you this on one condition. There are five changelings in this kingdom. Bring them to my court. And you will get safe passage all the way there. I know of four. Bring me Drossel. 
Bring me Miev. Bring me Jalen. Bring me Silpha. And bring yourself. You are the ones who get to choose this generation. I await your decisions. We can come to you. Safely. If you open the gate, I will have a guide waiting. Simply tell them that you wish passage, and they will lead you directly to me. Thank you, my queen. And Lorelei's eyes close, and when they open back up, they are normal again. And she says, Sable? Hmm. And looks down and looks back up, and she says, I was a... Oh, this is going to take some getting used to. Sable walks up to her, I'm guessing Lorelai's probably taller than her, and she gently touches her shoulder very carefully with the gloves that Jalen had given her, so she's got those on. And she just touches her gently, and she says, You have the power that you wanted. It is immense and a tremendous responsibility. I see why Mother was so cold. Sable nods and says, What will you do with it? If Mother had thought she could get away with it, I think she would have wanted House of Arathi to be the most powerful house in the kingdom. And I can work to get that. Unfortunately, Alan won't be able to marry in, given the news from last night, but I can find someone else. She just pat her shoulder and she says, that is a good use. If you need me, send a pixie and I will return. Say hi to Whistles. Oh, I will. I'll keep him very near and dear to me. Mother didn't let me look at him and I, well, it's a privilege to work with him. He likes rosemary bread. I will remember this. Now, if you'll excuse me, I really have to get to the lumber meeting for the day. <laughs> the smile that Sable that. gives her is just like, oh, I'm so sorry. The look in her eyes, you can't see her face, but the, her eyes just show pity. <laughs> so Lorelai transforms into a sparrow and just darts off through the thorns. You hear other wings flying after her, and you're pretty sure that's probably whistles in his trumpeters. And you are mostly alone. I'll go back over to Miev and Helena and say, All right, I think I can get a safe passage, but we will need you, Miev, and Drossel to come with us. Are you willing? Miev nods and says, Yes, this is, this is what we've come for. Then can you go back and convince Drossel? Yes. Yes, I can. And she turns to look back and gazes through the thorn line, rubs her face a little bit, and she says, Well... Let me see what I can do. And she starts to jog back. You don't get the impression she's a good jogger. It becomes a jog walk real fast. Yeah, yeah. But she disappears into the, down the fiery bramble line. I just want to do one other thing. She's going to pull a Yennefer on this. She's going to look around and she's going to say, the rest of you, all of you up in the air, get out, get away, or I am going to burn you to cinders. Roll me intimidate. Let's see if I can intimidate. My intimidation is not high. So it's a 15. That's all right. Pixies aren't that willful of a creatures. <laughs> okay. 15 is sufficient that you hear them go, okay, and yeah. disappear <laughs> as probably a dozen more winged creatures fly away. Can you imagine how annoying it would be if you'd failed that intimidation yeah. roll? Just be all this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look at her trying to be all scary. She's Isn't like, she cute? Little button puppy. They come and braid my hair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Get away. They're there, shut up. Yep. All right, one more thing. She will say at this point, well, while we wait for the others, Helena, father, I'm going to tell you what I plan to do. And that is the end of our show today. Don't forget to leave us a rating or review wherever you get this podcast. What the heck does Sable have planned? Maybe find out next time, or not. I don't know. On Kierts and Suffering. A D&D Odyssey.
pretty nice sewers. All right. Lady Queen. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Like my second home, man. Go dog somebody else. I have a studio apartment there. It's fine. I have a studio apartment. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbors have been really quiet. Let, let's face it. When the new guild starts, she's taking over the big room. <laughs> mm, yeah. You have to arm wrestle Jessica for it. Jessica's going to go help the Lunari family business. I think she's going to have her hand full. Yeah, yeah, Good luck yeah. with her not merging those empires. <laughs> she's a conquesty lady. Yeah. She's going to be a pirate. That'd be awesome. <laughs> would be a pirate. To be the pirate queen. 